Marvelites, welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 222, the official Marvel podcast of all news, new releases, and uh, flying on the seat of our pants, I'm Ryan Panagos, VP and Executive Editor, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel Digital Media Editorial Director, Ben Morse, that was closer. Yeah, yeah, I think you got it. Uh, yeah, I, digital, I should be Editorial Director of Marvel Digital Media, so I... Reverse the words, but the the gist was there. Yeah, the meaning holds true. The meaning behind is all good. Yes. Uh, so we're recording this uh, early on a Monday. We're also recording it over Skype, and so fingers crossed, we got all the uh, audio issues out of the way. Yep, Who knows? So many fingers crossed. So many fingers crossed. But uh, I had one of our video guys uh, take a listen to a previous test, and he says we're going to be fine. So oh. I'm going to send which it to him. Which video guy? Jason. Oh, all right. We'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> yes. So we're going to go by Jason's word and uh, see if that all works out. And uh, let's see. We've got a fun episode this week because I'm also going to Los Angeles to... The City uh, of Angels. Yeah, the, the city that never sleeps. I'm yeah. going to go there. The city so nice they named it twice. Yeah, the, the Big Apple. Yeah, uh, the Big Easy. The City of Lights. I think we've done this gag. City of before. brotherly love. Yep. <laughs> and um, we're gonna. I'm gonna go. We have uh, a cool event for the Avengers Academy games. So we're gonna get some fun content out of that. Uh, look forward to some fun videos. I know I'm gonna see Sam Humphreys and Jerry Duggan. Oh, Bill, cool. Bill Roseman, a bunch of other people. So we're gonna do some cool stuff around there. Um, and. We're going to at least attempt to do our twin URC with Stromy and the Wolfman this week. Oof. I know. I yeah. Know. But before we get to that point later in the show, we'll get a little bit of uh, your thoughts, Ben, on some Deadpool action. Yeah, I just finished it this morning, so my, my thoughts are fresh. Very good. And um, even before all that, we've got a ton of comics out this week to talk about. Yeah. I'm we do. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to start things off with All New and Humans, number three, written by James Asmus and Charles Soule, art by the amazing Stefano Caselli, colors by Andres Mosa, and um, this one is interesting because there's like, there's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of dialogue in this issue, setting right. up everything that's going on, and I think it's super helpful because there's a whole bunch of characters, a lot of them are brand new to people, and it's Especially this world, this inhuman part, and where are they? And they're in Sing Kong, I believe. Yes, they are in the fictional country of Sing Kong. Yes, which was established way back in the '60s in the Avengers. Yes. Um, and the the commissar, the original commissar, was a old school Avengers villain who we actually get a glimpse of here. Yeah, which I thought was terrific. Yeah. Uh, it was great, and I'm sure fans will, will make some uh, connections to uh, a design for a, a character is not ours, but it's super fun. <laughs> um, but we've got this, there's one of these new Inhumans characters uh, who has no um, uh, no like emotion mm -hmm. after she went through, or he right. went through Terrigen. I think it's a sh 
It's kind of the character's kind of androgynous. Yeah, you know what? It's it's we're not about uh we're not about gender roles here. Yeah, gender this is week fluid. in Marvel. Gender Absolutely. is fluid and everyone is equal. Yeah. Uh, so the character has this like crazy moment. Don't, don't you love how like basically us just not knowing the answer to something we can turn it into a you know we're being politically forward. Hey, we're always politically <laughs> forward, whether we like it or not or know yeah. it or not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's super cool. And then uh, we get a secret revealed about one of the other characters in here, the the um, the captain of the new Inhuman ship, mm-hmm. uh, and she's got this this cool tale, but she's got this whole big secret that tail T A I L. Yes, yes. She uh, also has a cool tail T A L E. Both true, very true, Ben. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, Swain gets a, gets a good spotlight in this issue, uh, which I really dig. And you know, I think they're they're nailing it. This book is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's great, and it's very different from uh, Uncanny and Humans, which is a lot of you know experienced in human action. This is really the new characters getting to mix it up with Crystalline, the more diplomatic missions. It's cool. Yes. Also cool is all new, all different Avengers number four, written by Mark Wade, the great Mark Wade, art by Mahmoud Azrar, and colors by Dave McKaig. This is, for all intents and purposes, the first day on the clock for the all new, all different Avengers. And it's the first day on the clock in a long while for Edwin Jarvis, who wakes up, heads to New Jersey, my home state, not where I'm from, but where I live, um, to a, a condemned Stark Industries airfield which is set up as the new Avengers headquarters. And we see them detailing the Quinjet, getting used to everything. Jarvis, lovably snarky here, just uh, not thrilled with the kitchen arrangements, not thrilled with everything, but points out that, you know what, the Avengers got work to do. So this is this is cool. I like what Mark does here. He uses just kind of a B-level established villain, in this place Cyclone, and he uses it to show our team in action, how they work together, how they interact, who has what powers, who's scared of who. I like that they're all creeped out by the vision because we're all currently creeped out by the vision. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, I like the team-ups with Spider-Man, Miss Marvel, all sorts of different things, vision using his powers. And Thor just being really excited and, you know, in the moment. And we do get a deliver on this covers or this issue's cover, which is Cap and Thor doing the old smoocheroo. Doing the PG Bone Zone or P- <laughs> PG thirteen Bone Zone. Um, yeah, that's that, like the Bone Corridor. The Bone Corridor. They're waiting. They're waiting in line in the Bone Green Room. Yes. Um, they do that. There are some questions raised about Thor and um, who exactly Thor is. It's a fun issue. It really is a setup for it. It's it's not a big story issue. It's a one and done. It's kind of a classic, almost not Silver Agey, but you know harkens back to the days where you just tell a one-and-done story and kind of set the stage. Here's your new team. Here's how they interact with each other. Good stuff. Mahmoud Asrar is growing by leaps and bounds all the time, doing great stuff with the art. Totes, my goats. All right. Up next, we've got Angela, Queen of Hell, number four. Uh, I love that we get some – I love cover copy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Always. Whether it's dialogue or something. And on the cover of this one, we get Watch the Throne. It's Scourge, the Executioner. And uh, we get Amazing a- that this was not a Sam Humphreys comic. <laughs> and it's also this a beautiful Stephanie Hans cover with Scourge mm-hmm. and uh, Angela Interiors. The story is written by Marguerite Bennett. The main story, uh, art and colors, 
Kim Jacinto and Israel Silva with Stephanie Hans doing the sub-story art. And uh, this is leading into uh, the third trial for Angela to become Queen of Hell. Her third trial is, as we find out in this issue, pain. And that's really what the sub-story is about. And it's it's a really cool sub-story. We get the kind of almost a what-if this path was taken, this mm-hmm. direction was gone, and it's brutal um, and gorgeous. Within the actual, the main story, we've got Angela cutting off limbs, stabbing people, being yelly. Uh, we get Boar showing up. Boar oh, is, Boar. yeah, Odin's dad and is a total turd. Well, if you think Odin's a jerk, yeah, here's where he learned it. Yeah, this is like his... Yeah, like two generations ago and, you know, your great-great-grandparents or whatever, and they were, like, super racist and sexist and messed yep. up. That's yep. bore. And that's just how they were. Yeah, and, and you're just like, oh, God, why is this person talking? Thankfully, <laughs> uh, they're not around anymore. But Boar is here because it's hell and he's dead. And uh, there's, a couple, there's this really beautiful two-page spread by Kim Jacinto, and it's full of funny stuff. I love that balance that Marguerite has by putting the like scary gross weird with the fun pop culture stuff that she's mm-hmm. doing on this so great uh we get to see another return of a character in this whole this you know thor loki asgardian angela mythology that we're, we're seeing her tread around uh turns by the end of the issue and it's so good um and then and then you have that last page uh reveal which is just huge huge Huge, huge, also huge, Carnage number four under a beautiful Mike Del Mundo cover of Carnage creating the world's most dangerous Swiss Army knife out of his arm. This is written by Jerry Conway, the art is by Mike Perkins, the colors are by Andy Troy, and this is a beautiful book. You know, Perkins, obviously, one of the one of the best we got, but just in his element drawing what is essentially a horror book as Carnage has trapped this FBI team in a mine shaft somewhere deep, deep, deep below West Virginia. Um, Some people are dead. Some are still alive. Eddie Brock is one of the ones who's still alive. And as he has been doing for the first three issues of the series, he is trying to convince them to let him have his symbiote go nuts so he can become toxin. Meanwhile, Carnage finds out why he has been brought to this place. It was all part of a bigger scheme. It's all part of a prophecy with followers and daggers and all that good stuff that comes with prophecies. We do get Toxin Unleashed, which means we're sitting on the edge of a big old Toxin versus Carnage fight. Toxin has kind of a new design here. Eddie Brock has some interesting stuff talking about his past and how it affects his present and how this symbiote's different than that symbiote. But it's all great. It's all good, drawn by Mark by Mike Perkins. And Carnage gets an army of little Carnage soldiers who he's going to put up against um, Toxin and his allies next issue. And this last page is just gross with carnage, uh, turning his mouth into like a weird, like alien opens three different ways type thing. It's just gross. Perkins is a sicko. I love him. It's great. And I like that the art allows carnage and even Eddie Brock toxin to feel like they belong and, and don't belong there. Mm-hmm. There's this like weird, wonderful balance that they they hit where it's just terrifyingly creepy but so like comic book at the same time i don't know it's just it works so well so damn good 
All right, we've got Daredevil number three, written by Charles Soule, art by Ron Garney and Matt Miller. And uh, this is a big throwdown between the Hand and Ten Fingers crew uh, Mm -hmm. with Daredevil kind of caught in the middle. uh, And he's sort of like right at the beginning, he's like, do I help? Do I fight? Yeah, he sort of picks a side. Yeah. I mean, it's like the devil versus the devil he knows or the devil Ooh. he's trying to figure out. He's yeah? the devil he knows. Ooh. And uh, then you got <laughs> thrown in there. Uh, it's just beautiful to watch um, Ron Garney just do fight scenes for like eight pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's totally fun. Uh, there's a lot of like limbs cracking and things getting stabbed and uh, ten fingers being manipulative. And uh, it's awesome. And uh, then we get like a big, you know, swerve right at the end uh, when we start to get to the legal side of things. So it's another one of those great balance issues that Charles is so good at by balancing this like experience that he has, putting it into there, being in the New York legal system and like finding some cool stories around that while also having the, uh, the amazing world of Daredevil to play with. Extraordinary X-Men number six, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Victor Ibenez, doing a little guest art, uh, late of the Storm series. J. David Ramos on colors, and after the big throwdown with demons and securing X-Haven, next step for the X-Men, Weird World. Why are they in Weird World? We learn in this issue, but in the very second page, they're going up against rhinosaurs. And I kind of like that that Iceman just yells out, rhinosaurs? Like, that's an accepted term. Wouldn't like, that's you, just though? I think people, well, I would more be like, I mean, like, oh my god, what are those giant creatures with horns on their heads? <laughs> I wouldn't instantly be like rhinosaurs because rhinosaurs aren't a thing. I don't know, man. Sometimes they get rhinoceros. Uh, I have a hard time saying that word. And sometimes yeah. I just say rhinosaurs. But he's clearly, in this case, combining rhinoceros and dinosaur. And yeah. he just, all right, whatever. We're spending too much time on this. I think it's uh, great. There are two things going on. In one timeline, we have the X-Men fighting the rhinosaurs and the other denizens of Weird World. On the other Five hours earlier, we're seeing what's going on in X-Haven. That includes them trying to get Nightcrawler back to a better mental state than he's at. Colossus finding a new way to channel his energies. Magic taking on a new protege. A lot of actually, the whole, the kind of the theme of this issue is younger mutants bonding with experienced mutants. Iceman finally having a chat with Anol, which was great. Um... For those of you who have been waiting for Iceman to kind of follow up on the stuff that was happening in All-New X-Men and in Uncanny X-Men number 600, this two-page conversation he has with Anole or Anole, um, it's, it's good. And it really fleshes out Anole's character as well. Um, old Man Logan drinking a lot, drinking heavily, Storm, well, Jean I, Grey. I love yeah. the uh, – Logan's reasoning for drinking throughout this issue is that where he comes from, he had terrible skunk yep. beer, which – he could only find intermittently because it was, you know, a destroyed future post-apocalyptic wasteland. So he is going to savor every beer he can. Yeah. And I also like the bit where uh, Colossus wants to do a fastball special and <laughs> old man Logan's just like, I'm too old for a fastball special. And they do it anyways. That was a great touch. Um, and there is a mutant in weird world. That's why they're there. There's a mutant who assisted Cyclops in his whatever he did, we still don't know. Um, and they go to either liberate him, bring him in. Not going to say who he is. He's a classic X-Men character. He's also done some time with the Avengers. So try to put it together from that, true believers. 
Um, all right. We have also a guidebook to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's uh, focusing on Marvel's Captain America, the first Avenger number one. So it's a great resource if you want uh, some cool, solid info about the MCU and also how it connects or is reflected reflective of the comics universe. So yeah. really cool book. Love those uh, those handbooks. We also have Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D., number four, uh, written by Frank J. Barberi, art by Brent Schoonover, and colors by Nick Filardi. Uh, this is the issue that uh, where Dum Dum Dugan saves everybody's ass yep. multiple times uh, yep. because he's awesome. That's, most, that's most issues. Yeah. Uh, in the first part, he saves everybody by shooting himself in the head. Uh, the second part... Unconventional, part, but it works. Yeah, and that's kind of the way he... he the first and the second parts of the story because he's got his field team and they uh they get trounced they are in over their heads and they got beat up by i believe it was mummies in the previous issue mm-hmm. uh they were mummies that were essentially bombs so like yeah bomb bombs. mummies yeah bombies, bombies. and uh yeah. when dum-dum dugan dies quote-unquote when his lmd body is uh, taken offline, he just gets rebooted right back into a fresh body over at stake headquarters, which is great because that lets him like kind of cut loose. And so when he reboots back at stake headquarters, he comes into a totally trashed stake headquarters mm-hmm. because one of the, uh, the potential howling commandos had her powers just went like haywire, totally crazy, trashed the whole place. Uh, but there's more to that than seems on first blush. And Dum Dum has, Dum Dum has to have some conversations, has to uh, kind of slap some people down and deal with an internal situation. Uh, and it's great. It's really really fun. There's this awesome uh, spread of Dum Dum Dugan standing over someone, and he just says, "Get out of my way now!" And it's awesome. Brent Schoonover art, just really cool. Uh, and so you get Dum Dum cleaning the house and taking that position of leadership that you want him to take. Uh, oh my God. What was that? That was just my phone buzzing. Don't worry about it. Oh I silenced it and we're fine. We're good. And we're ba- we're, we're good. back. There was no, there was no bomb. There was no bombing. <laughs> it's actually my friends from uh, Kingston, Jamaica, who have been calling me every two seconds for the last three days because apparently I've won some, um, lottery over there oh terrific yeah they've been leaving me messages they've been calling at all hours of the day it's really been fun nice uh speaking of kingston uh how did you like the royal rumble last night oh let's talk about the royal rumble i thought it was great i had um a few folks over to watch uh you know we 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 did we did something fun we did there was five of us over here and we took all the numbers and put them in a bowl and people picked out, so they had, you know, their numbers, like the traditional Royal Rumble thing. Uh, Mark Buckwhite's of Marvel fame got 1 and 30. What? So it was like there was no question what was going to happen. Uh, he was obviously going to win it because he had both Roman Reigns and Triple H. <laughs> uh, so it was like, what's going on? We were sure it was going to come down to his two guys. I somehow had Dean Ambrose, and I ended up with the second-to-last guy in the match which was a lot of fun. And I, for a second thought they were going to pull the trigger on Dean Ambrose, but um, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought the whole show was great. I thought the Ambrose um, Owens match to open things up was, was crazy. Uh, the new day was on point with all their funny stuff. The divas match was good. I like seeing my boy Kalisto win the U S title. And of course 
big highlight was seeing AJ Styles in the Rumble. I lost it when we saw AJ. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ is a friend to Marvel. He's been mm-hmm. by the office before. Multiple times. Yeah. Uh, he's he's just a super good dude. And yeah, to great see guy. him uh, like on the big stage. And the, the crowd reacted as I would have hoped. So. Oh, my God. They, he was the star of the show. Yeah. I mean, even after he was gone, they were still chanting his name. Yeah. It was great to see him and Sami Zayn. So, yeah. big night. Super fun. And that concludes wrestling talk for this episode. For this episode. Um, and so that also concludes Howling Commandos, which was awesome. And there's going to be a big old throwdown, a monster-sized throwdown next issue. And that segues nicely into Kanan number 10, written by Greg Weissman, art by Pepe Larraz, colors by David Curiel. We've got in the present day on Caller, Kanan is trying to regenerate in a Bacta, Bacta tank. Yeah, it's a back to tank. He's in a back to tank, which reminds him of another time when he was a little bit younger, regenerating another back to tank, because this is where he spends most of his time, apparently. Uh, He's going back to one of his first missions when he was serving under Master Deepa Balaba. They were working with the Republic. They were trying to establish peace. They were trying to squash things. They end up on in the third battle of Magito, and everyone just gets to cut loose. Uh, Kanan gets to Kanan as Caleb Doom, fights a bunch of robots, fights a bunch of, well, I guess they're droids, um, would be more accurate here. And, yeah, he, he cuts loose, and some of the some of the uh, clone troopers start to get personalities, and a famous, a, a heavy from the early movies shows up at the end of the issue to try to take out the Jedi. Nice. We've also got Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Spider-Verse number three which adapts the animated series that we love so much. We've also got Marvel's Captain America Civil War Prelude number four, adapting the second part of Captain America Winter Soldier. Getting you guys ready for Captain America Civil War. Heck yeah. All right, so on to Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number three, written by Brandon Monclair and Amy Reeder, art by Natasha Bustos, colors by Tamara Bonvillain. And uh, so this is uh, Lunella... Lafayette, our hero, uh, she's got, uh, she's in a dilly of a pickle because these, what are they called? They're like um, the killer folk. They're killer folk, yep. Essentially evil cavemen come from the past into the future. They have uh, take, they've gotten a good grasp on the English language uh, pretty quickly and uh, also modern fashion. So mm-hmm, it's super mm-hmm. fun. There's a lot of funny bits right in the early couple pages and there's like one of them dressed up uh or he's got like a policeman's hat he's got his nightstick and he's dancing around it's all great stuff and then devil dinosaur shows up so there's a big old chase scene uh as devil dinosaur is trying to stop the killer folk is uh trying to get this omniwave projector that lunella is also looking for because she thinks it's going to save her it's going to do something that uh gets to i think a large part of why she's so like antsy and why she's mm-hmm. so upset uh, because she's not your typical, you know, lead character. She's very prickly. She's, uh, you know, like easily annoyed. She's very, um, she sees herself uh, as superior to everyone. She's not just like this, like white knight hero, uh, which is great. She's a very well-rounded character, especially as uh, a young teenage kid who's just, 
trying to get through life and deal with all the kinds of problems that an adolescent would have. Uh, We get to see her school life and her family life. But one of my favorite things in this issue is this two-page spread that shows uh, Lunella's like crazy underground lair under the school that she's Mm -hmm. put together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so cool. She is so stupid smart, too. It's ridiculous. So she's got this place she just calls The Lab, uh, where Devil Dinosaur is hanging out, curled up, kind of like a cat. Makes me so happy. <laughs> uh, and then we get to see Lunella actually like be that hero. Even kind of reluctantly, but she gets to be that hero uh, and, and save the day a little bit. Right before, at the very end of the issue, another character shows up, and uh, which I thought was a great way to connect this book with another one of our all-new, all-different books. Uh, so I'm very excited to see the next issue of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Big debut this week, Old Man Logan, number one, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Andrea Sorrentino. As we had said for months, this is going to be set partially in the present day, where Old Man Logan has woken up in the Marvel Universe, and he's naked in the middle of Times Square, so that right away is something he has to deal with. He has to deal with some cops, he has to deal with trying to find clothes, and dealing with numbers. Just, just everywhere. The bone is loose. Um... <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to navigate his way around the Marvel Universe, and he has a, I guess you would call it a flashback forward to <laughs> a time he took his son to the market and they encountered an older uh, villain who was kind of, you know, had seen better days but was taking advantage of the landscape to bully people and try to prey upon them. And Old Man Logan, because he was at the time a pacifist, doesn't do anything about it. So once he's back in the present, he decides, you know what? I'm going to go hunt that guy down and make him pay. And he makes him pay in a huge way. Unfortunately, that means he's going to try to make everyone who has done him wrong in the future pay in the present. And that's a pretty heady list that starts with the Hulk, which we're going to see next issue. Yeah. That, um, that, that character, is that an established character? The villain? I think it's new. I think he's new. I, I didn't recognize him. I mean, he serves his purpose, so I'm fine yeah. with it. But like that was some those both of those scenes were crazy intense. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we've got Spider Woman number three out this week, written mm. by Dennis Hopeless, art by Heavy, Javier Rodriguez. I like Alvaro, this issue a lot. Yeah, Javier Rodriguez, Alvaro Lopez, and Rochelle Rosenberg. This was so good. It's this great, was ridiculously good. Uh, so we've got Spider Woman who is in this special hospital that is. Uh, essentially Alpha Flight special secret hospital inside a black hole. Mm-hmm. And that's great. It's it's super secure, kind of, but not really, because Skrulls have taken command of the hospital, and they've shut it off from outsiders getting in, at least for the time being, so Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, cannot get in to the hospital to save the day. Uh, so that leaves Spider-Woman as the only hero essentially on board and she is pregnant and she's working with all these other uh pregnant you know aliens team pregnancy oh my gosh uh there's so many of them here and they're like just trying to get through all this together Mm -hmm. uh and spider woman is just so great she's like at the top of her game and and complaining and angry and full of rage but just getting everything done uh, so Dennis writes the hell out of this issue, but I mean, Javier Rodriguez just blows 
it apart. There is uh, a three-page sequence in here where it's about uh, Spider-Woman going through the different parts of this facility mm-hmm. to get to... She, she essentially has to get to this area which houses the heads of, like, frozen heads or frozen brains of uh, this alien race um, because they're, like, uh, influential scientists, dignitaries, artists, and other notables uh, whose experience and knowledge can be helpful, which I think makes a ton of sense. So she has to find one of them in order to successfully... Uh, make the, the hospital uh, available to Alpha Flight. Um, but to do that, she has to get through so many obstacles, and Javier Rodriguez just draws some amazing pages. Like, I, I was showing John Cirilli uh, some of these layouts, and he was just, like, dumbstruck. Pa- pa- past this week in Marvel guest, John Cirilli. Yeah, an executive producer of Cap- that Captain America special. Captain America, 75 heroic years. Thank you. Yeah. And um, there's this... You know, these three pages, particularly these two pages that are some of my favorite comic book pages, period, ever. Wow. It's just, it's beautiful and it's weird and it's inventive and it's smart. And the thing is, it's easy to follow. It's, you know, like someone could do wacky layouts and, and, you know, all kinds of stuff on the page. And sometimes it just doesn't make any sense. But it makes perfect sense here. Everything you follow along with. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful storytelling, and it's amazing comic booking. Uh, and that doesn't even get us to the end of the issue. You've got Jessica like having these conversations with uh, this floating head, with the other uh, pregnant like aliens, with the doctors here, with Carol. Her conversations with um, with Carol are just amazing. And finally, we get to see the main reason why the scrolls are there, and how uh, Jessica Drew has to deal with one more big obstacle in order yeah. to get this whole thing solved. So good. I, was, I was gonna say you talked a lot about the art and talked about about everything. I just want to say like before this series, Jessica Drew was a very three dimensional character. She had a lot to her. But I feel like Dennis has done a great job of taking kind of all all the fantastical stuff, you know, the she's a spy, she's a this, she's a that, and kind of pushing that aside, but that's still part of her character, but making it more about just like, what kind of person is she like? What would she be like to hang out with? You know, he's made her very, very real. And in a book like spider woman, that's just, it's quite an accomplishment. So my hat's off to Dennis for his work on that book. Totally. Unbeatable squirrel girl. Number four is another book that my hat is off to. Uh, It's written by Ryan North. It's, got art by erica henderson and color art by rico renzi uh when we last left our heroes they were stranded in 1960 um and in a revolutionary concept dr doom using time travel uh has taken over the world and remade it in his own image this is i've never i've never imagined of a story in which dr doom would take reality and bend it to make it uh you know a doom world who knew that's right? that's that's just the type of thing i never thought we would see <laughs> This is very different than Secret Wars, obviously, but um, it is, you know, it's it's still about Dr. Doom taking over the world. It's about Squirrel Girl trying to stop him back in the 60s. Uh, It's about alternate um, plans that Squirrel Girl and her friends have. The supporting cast here, bonkers, nuts as always. Uh, It's a lot of it's 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 a dense read, 
because of all the footnotes and because of all the dialogue and because of everything. But Squirrel Girl finds a way to confront Dr. Doom. And, I mean, he's essentially her arch enemy, her arch nemesis. He's the guy who put her on the map as unbeatable. Um, although, you got to think, like, Ant-Man is kind of using her gimmick of the whole I beat Dr. Doom thing. Uh, well, yeah, totally. It's like he's using her gimmick in a different territory. So yeah. he's trying to get away with it and kind of doing it. Definitely biting on it, though. Uh, Ryan North writes a great Doctor Doom. There's no two ways around it. Um, we've gotten to see, you know, kind of super serious, big pathos, Jonathan Hickman, Doctor Doom lately. You get to see just ridiculous third-person telegraphed Doctor Doom here, and it's awesome. There's some time travel shenanigans, and at the end of the issue, it's still not over. This is a long, this is a lengthy story, but it's been pretty good so far, so I'm up for more of it. So good. And finally, we got Venom Space Knight number three, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Ariel Olivetti. We have Venom going off on a mission without the symbiote. So this is just Flash Thompson on his own in a spacesuit uh, with a sword. Yeah, a cool I was looking say, sword. You got to talk about that giant sword. I mean, it looks like it's out of Halo or something. It's a it's a dope looking giant sword. Uh, he teams up with a Medusa type alien lady. And they beat the piss out of some people who are causing trouble. They look, they're, they're cool. They're like lava men with holes in their head. Ariel Alvetti just in his glory here, drawing great stuff. So it's almost like this barbarian battle. Um, no symbiote. Flash Thompson in a spacesuit, wading into lava, working with this woman, having kind of his Captain Kirk moment. And then coming back to his spaceship and uh, an unexpected face is waiting to greet him. Yeah, that's a pretty fun moment right there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that wraps up the books for this week. Wow. I'll let you pick first. Okay, I'm going to go with Spider-Woman number three. Oh, all right, so since you picked Spider-Woman number three, I'm going to pick Old Man Logan number one. There you go. Two excellent books to represent what we had out this week. Also out this week in collections, we've got A-Force Presents Volume 3, Armor Wars, War Zones, Avengers, The Death of Mockingbird. I want to check that out. Do you have that? Uh, I don't think I got that copy. What? I don't right. think so. I'll keep an eye out for it because I kind of want to check that out. That's uh, some old Avengers West Coast stuff. Um, Black Widow, The Itsy Bitsy Spider. Groot is out in hardcover. Inhumans, Adelan Rising. Shield, Volume 2, The Man Called Death. Spider-Woman, Volume 2, New Duds. Highly recommended. We we're, you know, talking up Spider-Woman just now. What If, Infinity. In X-Men, Colossus, God's Country. Yeah. All right. So on the app this week, we've got the books we've already talked about, as well as Marvel Universe Avengers Infinite Comic, number four, as well as X-Men Worst X-Men Ever, number four. Apologies that we're not talking about Worst X-Men Ever, number four, but we don't have it yet. Yeah, so we'll get to it. We, yeah, we haven't read it yet. We'll, uh, we'll get a print copy at some point, yeah. so... Uh, also on sale on the Marvel app this week, we've got Avengers West Coast 92 through 100, as well as 102. That would be the uh, bulk of the Death of Mockingbird, I believe. Uh, I wonder why 101 either... 101, included. I know why it wasn't included. Tell us, Ben. Um, you remember the crossover Blood Ties? I sure do. Uh, that was a Blood Ties crossover, so they probably yeah. removed it because they don't want to put the rest of Blood Ties in there. <laughs> or... Maybe the rest of Blood Ties is already up. I think I think the rest of the I think the rest of Blood Ties is already up. But I'm also betting it's not in the collection. Yeah, interesting. Uh, we also have Captain America comics seven through sixteen. That's the original 1941 series. Wow, so lots of that. Uh, Incredible Hulk one hundred and two, uh, 
Marvel Adventures Spider-Man number three, Marvel Adventures Superheroes number four, Scar, Son of Hulk presents the Savage, the Savage World of yeah, Scar. You can do it. I did it. Uh, Spider Woman one through four for a 1993 limited series. I don't. Even that was that. that's a Ju- that's a Julia Carpenter special. Ooh. Nice. And then uh, what if Karen Page had lived from what 2004? If? Just random. No, what if? Why not? Yeah. Digital collections this week. We've got A Force Presents number three, Armor Wars, War Zones, Avengers, The Death of Mockingbird, Groot, Inhumans, Adelan Rising, Shield, Volume 2, The Man Called Death, Spider Woman, Volume 2, New Duds, What If, Infinity, X Men, Colossus, God's Country, Captain America, Land of the Free, Iron Man, Armor Wars, Prologue, Sigil, Out of Time. Nice. Yeah. Warriors 3, Dog Day Afternoon. That was super good. Yep, that was a good one. Wolverine Covenant. And Wolverine First Class, The Rookie. The Rookie. Uh, freshly digitized on Marvel Unlimited. We've got 1602 Witch Hunter Angela, number two. Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies, number two. Amazing Spider-Man Annual, number one. Amazing Spider-Man Family, number four. Avengers, number 202. Black Widow, number 20. Captain America, Who Won't Wield the Shield, number one. Captain America and the Korvac Saga, number one through four. Captain Britain, the original old school Captain Britain, number one through eight. This was a neat little addition. Um, Meanwhile, also classic X-Men, number eight, number 32 and 33, number 36 and number 43. Daredevil, number 17. Deadpool's Secret Secret Wars, number three. Deathlock, number 10. Uh, Long-awaited edition here. We've got Guardians of the Galaxy 0.1. So that cool Star-Lord origin story that Bendis and McNiven did. Oh, nice. Yeah, that is now available. Guardians Team Up number eight, Marvel Assistant Size Spectacular number two, Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors number nine, Modok Assassin number three, Shield number eight, Star Wars number seven, Thor's number two, Weird World number two, and X-Men ninety-two number two. And seriously, I can't stress enough. Modok Assassin and Weird World <laughs> are now on Marvel Unlimited. If you didn't read them, during Secret Wars, read them now. What a world we live in. Oh, my God. Speaking of what a world, it's time for news. Okay, Ben, what do we got? Okay, for news, over in comics, you guys saw all last week we were doing teasers for what most people thought was a new Thunderbolt series, but it turned out to be a new Thunderbolt series. <gasps> uh, it's going to be written by our good friend Jim Zub. I believe that's his first ongoing work at Marvel. Oh, that's great. Uh, the art is by John Mallon who is an industry veteran, and the team consists of Thunderbolts Originals, Atlas, Moonstone, Fixer, and Mach 5, as well as a mystery partner, and the new leader, the Winter Soldier. So for those of you guys who have been wondering where the Winter Soldier is going to end up, he is going to be leading a new Thunderbolts team. This is all spinning out of the Avengers standoff event. Wow. I got a lot of questions, which I'm sure will be answered in due time. <laughs> also getting his own ongoing series is Poe Dameron, who stars one of the stars in the new Star Wars, which I'm finally going to see this weekend. You um, said stars so many times right there. Kudos. Stars, stars, stars. Poe Dameron is going to get an ongoing series uh, written by Charles Soule, art by Phil Noto. You'll get to learn all you need to know about the man they call Poe. The man they call Poe. The man they call Poe. Over in Games News, Lego Marvel's Avengers is now available. Get it on all of your different consoles. Check out all the great reveals we did, but really just go dive into the game and have fun with it. Contest of Champions added Cyclops in his 90s costume, and there's a little bit of a story behind it as well that Slam and Sam Humphreys wrote where 90s Cyclops is confused as to 
what's going on with all these modern day characters. So that should be a lot of fun. Um, and Future Fight had a big update last week too, which added a lot of all new, all different characters. Previously, they had added Miles Morales and some new costumes. Now they also have totally awesome Hulk, as well as new costumes for Angela and others. Hot dog. So much going on. Uh, on top of that, Ben, uh, mm. there's the event for Avengers Academy. Yep. Uh, so that game is looming uh, very soonishly. Yep. Yeah, uh, very soon. Very cool. Very excited for that. People are going to get super into that, I think. Um, and there's just always there's always fun stuff. Uh, I'm sure we're going to find out more when we go to uh, Strami and the Wolfman Uh but before we do, because before we're going to we do, yeah, up, yeah. Since I'm going out to LA, I'm going to hang out with Strami and the Wolfman. So we'll get a whole section with me and those two goofballs uh, talking about all their news, and we're going to get to Twim URC. But Ben, this is Deadpool time, and I yep. wanted to get a little bit of perspective from you because this is this is like our jam right here. This is our wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, first of all, I had never read the original appearance of Deadpool before. Strangely really? enough, I don't think I. I may have seen it like reprinted somewhere and like glazed over it, but I didn't really remember it. What is crazy to me reading both that and also reading the limited series we read, which was written by Fabian Nicieza with art by Joe Madureira, um, is it's the evolution of Deadpool. Like today we have such a clear picture of what Deadpool is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just the way he talks, the way he acts, the way he's just completely absurd. And at the time, he was still a fairly serious character. He's wisecracking. He's like a dark Spider-Man almost, but he doesn't have that, you know, he's not breaking the fourth wall quite yet. Uh, he doesn't have voices in his head. So it was really kind of jarring to read that Deadpool, but you can definitely see the seeds being laid down by Fabian Nicieza. It really, it kind of put it all in perspective for me, like how, how, uh, Joe Kelly's run really changed Deadpool to the point when even when Fabian comes back and writes him on you know, Cable and Deadpool or more recently on Deadpool and Cable Split Second, he's adapted really Joe Kelly's way of writing him, which, don't get me wrong, takes a lot from what Fabian did, but it was, it was definitely uh, it was, it was eye-opening. And it was cool to see all the very, 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 very 90s characters, <laughs> whether it was uh, Slayback or Copycat or uh, Garrison Kane as Weapon X and Joe Madureira, you know, really coming into his own on this. Not quite the Joe Mad we knew at that point. Um, still kind of finding his sea legs, but it was fun. It was a good experience. And, uh, you know, Juggernaut and Black Tom Cassidy show up for a second. That was something. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were in an issue. I do re I remember that from when I was a kid very distinctly because uh, they get thrown out of a plane. And I don't know how I don't think they ever explain how they survived. <laughs> Uh, you know they're tough. They're tough it's, dudes. It's Juggernaut. Yeah, he's he, fine. He's like acts like a big metal pillow. Yeah, I guess I guess that's the implication is that uh, Black Tom just lands on Juggernaut and they're fine. I gotta. I don't. Whatever happened to Black Tom and Copycat? <sighs> Copycat's dead. Naturally. Sorry. Sorry, you had to find she that out. It's essentially here. just like uh, a Mystique knockoff, right? Well, not entirely because she's almost like a. Mystique Rogue Pastiche, because oh, right, they show right. in here because she can actually absorb abilities while she's also absorbing the appearances. Um, you can thank Frank Thierry for her death. Oh, uh, we, we thank him for so much. Frank Thierry, the record of note on Deadpool when she when she expired. I believe she died at Sabretooth's hands. Um, and then who's the other one you want to know about? Uh, Black Tom. 
Black Tom, we haven't seen him in ages. I don't know where he is. And for those who don't know, he's a Cassidy, right? Yeah, he's he's a Cassidy. He's Banshee's uh, brother, brother or cousin? Might be his cousin. Could be cousin brother. That's yeah, a thing, right? Do you remember the Banshee's dead? Oh yeah. Kind of forget about that sometimes. Poor, but he came back kind of undead. Well, he came back for a Chaos War, but then he was he was dead again. Yeah, but didn't he come back in? Uncanny oh Avengers? yeah, in Uncanny Avengers. So yeah, he might be kicking around somewhere. Yeah, you know, just waiting, singing songs. Waiting for the right moment. Yeah, singing songs in his screechy mutant voice. Totally. Terrible. All right. Perfect. Thank you, Ben. Now let's kick it over to the West Coast where I will be. Yeah, you'll be there. You're kicking it to yourself. Isn't that great? Great. It's the West Coast. Show me the wolf man. It's the West Coast. Show me the wolf man. It's the West Coast. Show me the wolf man. It's the West Coast. Show me the wolf man. It's the West Coast. Show me the wolf man. It's the West Coast, baby. Good morning this week in Marvelite. This is, and welcome to a, another thrilling installment of the Stromy and the Wolfman show, starring the Wolfman and Stromy. I am Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. For another thrilling installment of the Stromy and the Wolfman show, starring with the Wolfman and Stromy. You already said that. With a special guest... Agent M. So we've got some news this week. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so for the listener, because that's the only way you'd be tuning in. You can't be a watcher or anything. For you who's listening to this right now, you should know that we do have a special guest. And let's give him a formal introduction. We are joined by... So we've got some news this week. This is a nightmare. Oh, oh man. So this was like a legit concern that I had that I wanted to explain things. We are joined by Agent M. So Ryan Canagos. So this Thank you for joining us, Ryan. The big concern, the big problem this week is because Ryan's here, we have slightly different equipment. And normally we're using like handheld microphones, but now we have mics that are on stands and Mark Strom is having flashbacks to the film Good Morning Vietnam because he feels like he's in a radio station because there's a microphone on a stand in front of him. So when you heard him say Good Morning This Week in Marvel, he leaned in like he was going to grab the microphone like he was Robert Williams in that film. Robert Williams. Robert Williams. And you don't need to lean in because if you lean in, you're going to blow out the speakers in our poor listeners' ears. So sit back. Relax. We're having a good time. <laughs> Some of these things are debatable. Yeah. Uh, so this is the equipment we brought from New York City. Uh, and this is equipment you guys are going to have to get used to because you're going to be getting some soon. So we've got some news this week. All right. I think we, I think we cleared the air yeah. and we can get back on track. We, we announced that Delroy Lindo will be playing Dominic Fortune in uh, the pilot for Marvel's Most Wanted starring... Uh, everyone's favorite, Agent Bobby Morris and Agent Lance Hunter uh, from Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Adrienne Palicki, and Nick Blood. So that is some um, exciting news. Can't say much more about what's going on with Marvel's Most Wanted, but stay tuned for more. What? Uh, I think this is uh, a really good opportunity where we now all get to uh, explain what our favorite Delroy Lindo film is. 
Uh, mine is the Chicago Code. That's not a film. <laughs> For it's my, a TV series. My, my first reaction was seeing Ryan put his hands on his laptop. Because I, I, I know him. I know his face. I know his voice. Oh, no, no. And like, I know him, but like trying to put like specific movies together. I thought I thought you were like taking a note of, okay, this is a thing that we're going to need to cut out. But then I realized, oh, no, he's pulling up IMDb just to make a quick check of like, okay, yes, he was in that. That's not my imagination. So I'll give him some time. Mark, you weighed in and you said uh, Chicago, Chicago Code. The Chicago is it the Chicago Code? The Chicago Code. The short-lived series by uh, Sean Ryan and Tim Minner. Great, great show. For me, I'm going to have to say it's a tie uh, between two different films. One film I, I could say he stars in The Core, which also stars. Yes. Hilary Swank, Aaron Eckhart, and Stanley Tucci. And uh, my favorite line in that movie is not a Delroy Lindo line, but it's they're all the scientists. They, they're building a, a ship to drill to the center of the Earth to light a bomb to restore, restart the Earth's core, as one would. And uh, people express doubt, and they're like, we can't drive this ship to the center of the Earth and then bl- light a bomb that'll explode the Earth's core. And then Stanley Tucci says, but what if we could? And then that <laughs> justifies the entire movie. Uh, so that's, that's the Delroy Lindo starring vehicle. However, the real favorite, Delroy Lindo has a small part in the film Congo. A very memorable scene. You're a big Congo fan. I'm a big Congo fan. And there's a scene where they're trying to make their way into the Congo. And Delroy Lindo's military forces stop him. And they are interrogating Ernie Hudson, Laura Linney, and Tim Curry. And Tim Curry starts eating sesame cake that was just offered to him by Delroy Lindo. But for some reason, Tim Curry is then chastised by Delroy Lindo, who says, Stop eating my sesame cake. <laughs> it's excellent. Excellent. Impression. Did that buy you enough time to pick your favorite Delroy Lindo uh, movie? The only, the only thing that really comes to mind is Get Shorty. Oh, yeah. He's in Get Shorty and... He's, he's great, and he has the banister that he wants to have replaced, so that way when people get shot on his on his balcony, they, like, crash through instead of flipping over. So yep. that's that's what I remember about Get Shorty and Delroy Lindo. So I was, I was going to do this funny bit where I pretended that Ryan was in the room up until we got to the Twim URC part, and that's going to be like, wait, what, Ryan, when did you get here? But I have to break that now because I want Patrick to share with uh, Ryan. I want you, Patrick, to share with Ryan uh, the story of uh, what you and your girlfriend did for your first date. Oh, uh, well, I invited her over to watch Congo. That that was their first date. That's That's pretty good. And we watched Congo, and it was on VHS, no less. Wow! So she was like, "This is the guy. <laughs> this is this is." I'm gonna the, spend a lot of time with this man. Yeah, this is this is uh, yeah. And <laughs> and uh, we when when her kids visited uh, over the summer to to spend some time with us, we uh, played the Congo the movie board game. And they are young children who do not know what Congo is. They're familiar with what board games are. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so we played that, and we were like, oh, 
See, now you need to see the movie. So we are just warping these children's minds. And then they start crying and say, Mommy, why do you let this bad man be around us? Do we have any other Yeah, can we get to some news, please? Um, uh, We had an all-new episode of Marvel's Agent Carter. Uh, We will, for that, we of course have a new episode of This Week in Marvel's Agent Carter podcast. I talk with executive producer Tara Butters, and we do an episode commentary to the entire episode, uh, this time talking about uh, Dominic Cooper's return as Howard Stark and all sorts of other shenanigans. Um, We have a couple of behind-the-scenes featurettes that will be coming out. uh, I think at least one of them will be posted by the time you're listening to this. And then there's another coming out on Monday that is a particular favorite of mine. There was a real-life... astrophysicist who served as a science consultant on the series for this season, Dr. Clifford Johnson. And we sat him down with uh, Reggie Austin, who plays the you know brilliant astrophysicist in the show, Dr. Jason Wilkes. And they did a fun little interview, uh, the first part of which we um, are posting on Monday. It is talking about the science of intangibility and mm-hmm. how intangibility could possibly work if it were real in the world. Um, and we've got at least another interview with them coming up. That's also very cool, uh, but that's in a little while. In the meantime, we will be posting the our favorite quotes from this week's episode next Tuesday. And we'll have some clips I know coming up. Not sure when we'll be getting those, but keep your eyes on Marvel.com and our YouTube channel for those. What else do we got going on? We will have another installment of Bernard's Best for the series, uh, which is where we imagine what Bernard the Flamingo would have, uh, what would have been his favorite moment from the episode. So I always find it interesting how people say that name. Bernard or Bernard? Well, we I had s- never really heard someone say Bernard until my I heard my in-laws say it because... My wife's... My wife. My wife's <laughs> mom's brother, so my wife's uncle, is is named, as I would say it, Bernard, but they always say Bernard. Huh. And so uh, and you hearing you say Bernard, I'm just like, it throws me for a Well, look. see, I would normally say Bernard, but they pronounce it Bernard in the show. And so. that, is that because it's pronounced that way mostly by the Starks? Uh, yes, by uh, well, by the Brits. Yeah, by Jarvis and Peggy. They always call him Bernard. Bernard. So I wonder if Bernard is maybe the British pronunciation. Hello, my name's Bernard. Bernard. Bernard Stark. Oi, Oi governor. Oi, cranky. What? Hey, why hear my... Uh, nope. He's got no. Nope. Please. Nope. Nope. My, right, nope. Right, anything, right anything Mark says that starts with want to, nope. you just know the answer yeah. is nope. No, it's my flamingo nope. Christopher Walken. Nope. Do you have Hold any it. other Hold news? Um, Self-control. I think that's all it. for Marvel's Agent Carter. Um, yeah. Did we talk about the animation news last week? We did, right? We did. We did. Uh, I would like to remind folks uh for all you Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy fans, the uh, the animated series, you've got only a couple more days, depending on when you listen to this uh, this episode. By next week, the contest will have ended. But uh, We Love Fine is doing uh, a contest where you can submit art inspired by the Guardians animated series. 
Uh, just go to welovefine.com and click contests, and you'll be able to see all those details for all the cool prizes. And the judges are Stephen Wacker and some of the, the voice talent. And, yeah, so enter that before that contest ends but in the next couple days. Hmm. Very good. Yeah. All right. So is that news for you guys? That's it. That's it? That's all, all right. I got. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. We're going to go now to Twim URC. And we're back. So uh, I'm going to do Twim URC solo this week, and it's, wait a minute, I've, I've got two gentlemen standing Wait, Ryan, me. what are you doing in the room? Have you been here this whole time? Wow, the magic of storytelling through podcasts. What are we doing with this medium? So much. Well, you're making some weird hand gestures yeah. that people can't see. So Twim URC is normally something for the last 150 episodes or whatever. So yeah, something like that. It's been crazy numbers. Uh, that. You know, we've been doing this, and it's been Ben and I, um, sometimes a guest when one of us isn't there. But you guys, particularly Mark, you said you wanted to start doing some of the Twim URC, right? Yeah. I figure, you know, let's bring some West Coast flavor to uh, <laughs> to it. Well, you've got the great West Coast Drummy and the Wolfman song already, so that brings a lot of the flavor. But... I bring all the flavor. <laughs> uh, so, you know, the Twim URC, we read a book... And then two weeks, we, we talk about a book, read it. Uh, two weeks, we talk about another book, blah, blah, blah. So since I was out here, I thought, why doesn't it make sense for me to force you to read uh, the same books that everybody else is reading? And so we can talk about it. You guys can get a feel of how I tend to do the, the Twim URC section. And then hand it off to you to do the next round. And then we'll go back and forth. So it'll give the listeners um, a totally different perspective from of, of the comic book side because, Mark, you really do have a, a, like a crazy encyclopedic knowledge of comics, not quite as much as Ben, but you... you whoa, whoa, we, you know, there, there are... When, when it comes to Marvel comics, maybe that's true, but I like to think my broader knowledge would eclipse his. Uh, I'm going to disagree with that still. Uh, oh, really? Have you read Noah Van Skyver's very first work from 1992 that was published in a zine that had a 13-edition print run? I don't even know who this person is. <laughs> so, uh, let's go... That was me completely making stuff up, too, and Ryan had no idea. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think you can bring a really good perspective of knowing the stuff, and then, you know, if you have stuff that you want to run by. So what we usually do is, like... We'll go to Tom Brevoort or someone else. We have particular questions about the era or stories and stuff that we don't know ourselves. So we'll get some information to bring to the discussion. And then we just sort of talk it out. Uh, Patrick, you don't know anything about comics from what I I've understand. Heard of, I'm familiar with... You don't need to lean in. Uh, well, here's the thing. <laughs> uh, I, I also wasn't sure if I was supposed to introduce myself because this is a different segment than you might have just heard on the podcast. Uh, but yes, that's true. Uh, you told me, hey, wouldn't you like a, uh, a, a job like dealing with comics? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I love Norm MacDonald and Dave Attell and Sarah Silverman. And then I got this job and you were like, no, comics books. And I was like, oh, you mean graphic novels? And you said, well, actually, 
there's more to the world of comic books than just graphic novels at Barnes and Noble. They're not just for adults. They're not anymore. just for adults. So that that is correct. I I'm a fan of comics, yet I do not have nearly the same encyclopedic knowledge of of comics as the two of yous guys. Yes. So I think it'll be a, a good perspective because you're going to come into a lot of these stories like many of our readers and listeners will who are like, I don't know anything about Slayback. I've never seen Gideon before. I don't know anything about, uh, you know, Vanessa and Domino and their whole thing. Uh, so it'll be good. Uh, we'll, we'll figure that out as you guys go along. You know, at the end of this segment, the end of this episode, you guys will let the readers know what the next selection is so they can read that. That's a great one. Okay. Good. Um, and we may even double up on some of the the stories that Ben and I did many, many moons ago. So, uh, if Well, they... there's, only, there's one in particular that I want okay. Patrick to read. And we'll also, for our segment, be focusing, you know, I, I figure a lot on uh, some stuff that's also maybe more pertains to stuff we work on. You know, like you sure. guys have never covered, Definitely. like, Steranko Shield stuff. Yep. You know, uh, uh, you guys haven't really covered much of Miller's Daredevil. Yep. We've got some cool stuff like yeah. that. And I, and I encourage you, when you do stuff that is relevant to other properties, bring in people who might have that knowledge. Like, bring in a Stephen Wacker, or uh, a, if you can get Jeff Loeb, or someone who can sit in and, and like talk about the connections. That's always really cool to do. Because uh, we like to bring in, like I said, Brevoort a lot, and it's a lot of fun, and the readers really dig it. We can uh, get Brevoort out here, though, right? Uh, right? Yeah. We have the budget for that, right? Sure. We have the budget for this section of the podcast <laughs> to pay for Brevoort to come out here. Um, but we are talking about some old school Deadpool. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, people are talking about this Deadpool guy. Something's going on. I don't know what, but I'm very excited. Uh, and I think we've got a lot of Deadpool comics going on. But we wanted to dig back to the very beginning. His first appearance... And then his first uh, actual solo project, which was the limited series. Um, so Ben pulled these, and we read them. The first being New Mutants '98, which is uh, the pre, the second to third to last issue of the series. Well, 100 was last, right? So, so yeah, third to sec- last, second to last, third to last. First, yeah, no, but 98, that 99, 100. No, that's but that's yeah, that's the way second to last would be 99. No, 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 because it's second two. So, like, it's two. This, and is, no, this, no, is, no. this is going off the rails no. already. You, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, math. That's not my name either. Math is not my name. <laughs> uh, so this is the third to last issue, and this is what? So Cable first appeared in 87, I th- in number 87? 86 in a panel, I believe. Right. He had one of those little cameos at the end. But this, but this was also the first issue that Liefeld, Rob Liefeld had been drawing the book for uh, since like 84 about. But this was the first issue that was scripted by uh, Fabian Nicieza. Who was scripting it before him? Uh, Luis Simonson. Okay. Yep. Um, so yeah, so you have Fabian scripting it. Rob is still doing the art and the plot. Um, and we get introduced to not just Deadpool, but... And I would dare say two characters who far eclipse him, uh, Domino, sure, but really Gideon. Gideon is, like, up there. I love Gideon so much. If you just look at the cover, look at that top ponytail. That ponytail. And, and the robe. Lord. The robe, the so elegant. Uh, and, man, he has, some, he has some nice calf muscles. 
if I must say. He's so got very, the, very well toned. He's got all the muscles. He's got so many muscles. His muscles have muscles. I love it. Uh, he has more muscles in his fingers than I have in my entire body. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very strong for the listener. Super duper so strong. So that just gives you, I'm not some puny twerp. <laughs> uh, pencil neck geek, if yeah. you will. Um, I, I, I don't know if you can hear the sound of me pushing up my glasses. Uh, so I think before we get into too much more of this, of this issue, um, I think it's good to give perspective. And we, Ben and I talked a little bit. I wanted to get Ben's take on, on this. Uh, so fans would have heard that already earlier in the episode. Uh, he gave a little bit of details. But at this point... Um, everything has gone crazy upside down for the New Mutants. Yes. Um, like, they are in, I think, a, like a burnt-out husk of Xavier's mansion. Yes. Um, they had just gone through... Uh, the Extinction Agenda. Extinction Agenda, which put them in Genosha, where they lost Warlock. Previously, they had lost uh, Cypher, Doug. Um, Doug Ramsey, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. So they lost him. Rain, uh, who was Wolfsbane, she stayed over there in Genosha. Um, they were just like completely like shattered, this team. And Cable had just come in about a year beforehand, at least in, in, in comics, and like come in just randomly out of the blue and just took over, took yes. control, and is like turn, trying to turn it into a military outfit because he's got all this future knowledge. Well, we don't know he has future knowledge. We don't at this point. No, no, you can tell because I reread that whole thing and you can tell that like, and I love the energy of it. You can tell they were just making it up as they went along. And it's fantastic (laughs) because it is like a time because now whenever we introduce like a new character, you know, they're very well thought out ahead of time. But at this point... Like, they were just throwing stuff against the wall to see what would stick. And it was just, like, this crazy, vibrant, uh, really interesting energy. Like, they introduce Cable. You don't find out he's from the future until, like... Like, there are maybe some hints of it, but it's not really confirmed until, like, the first few issues of X-Force. And uh, at the beginning, he's just this military guy who has, like, a history with the FBI and the government. And he is, like, a mercenary of theirs. But then that whole history quickly got, like, retconned after they're like, oh, no, actually, he's from the future. But uh, I don't know. I well, love it. I like, I like how you describe what currently goes on with the introduction of new characters. Like, yeah, they're doing this weird thing now where, like, characters are well thought out. No, it's and, not. It's not weird. It's, but, but no, that, I don't think you're incorrect by saying, just to, just to compare the two, that it is like, yeah, well, here's the character. Here's a vague backstory. And we just want some new characters. I, I think they were, there was a lot of, like... Cable's backstory was legendarily extended and drawn out. Oh, yes. To the point where it's still kind of hazy and, like, can be, you know, manipulated a bit. Well, yeah, because, I mean, the entire point is, is like, he came back... Well, eventually it was revealed that he came back to stop Apocalypse was the long wave... that took a long way to get there. Yeah. But that was eventually done, and then he did that back in 99... So, basically, that means that his whole future and timeline just keeps on getting, like, rewritten every time they fight Apocalypse. Yeah. Time travel, man. I don't even want to think about that here. We're not... We don't have to deal with it here. Uh, But in this, you know, in this first issue, we've got, uh, you know, Gideon, who is introduced as this, like, power player character dude, who um, 
is is going to kill Sunspot's father. He's going to set up Sunspot's father to be killed because something he he, he wants to manipulate Sunspot. So that t- that is starting to take Sunspot out of the picture for the New Mutants. Richter is uh, pre coming out. Richter, it, right? He came oh, out way pre coming. Yeah, out way pre coming yeah, out. Richter. He, did, he didn't come on until like mid two thousand. Right. So Richter is here, and he's like. I gotta go back and save Rain. So he's out of the picture. You've got Boom Boom, who um, is, is a cool character, but like never hit her stride. I think she hit her stride in more recent years. So seeing her here is like just this bubblegum chewing, giant sunglass wearing uh, character is funny. Uh, I love Cannonball in this issue because he's like, it's in that pivotal point in Cannonball where he's like really like learning his powers to a fuller extent and like that period where they're really starting to elevate him which was great well yeah you even see him do like that's the entire thing in this issue is him learning how to control the sound that yeah and even past like i think i what i loved about this era was like they kept that going yeah it it was it just felt important to the character uh but in here we get to uh the the x-men or the the new mutants are in xavier's like uh, an underground bunker i I forget how the X Mansion got destroyed this time. I'm trying, I'm and it trying. got rebuilt pretty quickly because yeah. in the first in Jim Lee's X Men yeah. number one, I mean, and they're they're in there like having a party. Yeah, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to remember what happened. I can't remember what probably Magneto. <laughs> no, no, Magneto no. was off the table for yeah. a while. He, this was during the period where Magneto was like journeying the Savage Land. Yeah, hanging out with Rogue when she's in her little like uh, like. Amazon bikini. Yeah, like they were just having a good old time. <laughs> Bone zone action, you know Whoa. it. Uh, but Dear so Lord. they're in this, what you would imagine, they're trying to stay secret and stay underground, and Deadpool just shows up, which I love so much. And Cable's like, at some point, he's like, how did, I'm not sure how you found me. Uh, and he's like, I, I can figure it out. Essentially, that's the conversation. Deadpool's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I got it. I'm here. And then there's like this mysterious Tolliver character. Yes. I don't remember anything about Tolliver. Evidently, he was a huge thing in the early <laughs> X-Force years. I wish Ben were here to explain to us who Tolliver was. Yeah. Because even like, like that's the entire point of like the first main series that we get to yeah. after this. And like... There are all these references to Tolliver did this and Tolliver and those little asterisks or stars like that happened in X Force number fourteen. That yeah. happened in X Force number fifteen. That yeah. was issue twenty two. <laughs> old timey. Yes, it, it was an old timey because that's how old these comic books are. Yeah. Is the editors chimed in with like, well, you see, it's uh, happening in X Force three. See, hey, true believers, uh, pick up Captain America comics number one to see Cat Slug Hitler. Headlines don't sell papers. Newsies sell papers. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Deadpool comes in. He essentially <laughs> takes down Cable. Takes down uh, Cannonball. Takes down Richter, uh, and Sunspot and Boom Boom are like uh, about to figure out how to fight, and then luckily Domino shows up. Like, how is this place secure at all <laughs> if these people are just like? Well, hey, to be fair, Cable invited Domino. That's true. That's so. true. So Domino shows up. Uh, she's got so many pouches. I like. Literally, I'm looking at this panel. There are so many pouches that they're and they're grouped together. They're sort of like. 
bunched out because they're <laughs> scrunched together and so full of goodies. Pa- so, Patrick and I were also talking in that panel. It's the first, for those of you listening, it's the first panel where you see Domino. It's literally the very first time you see her. What is she standing on? Yep. All that cross hatching. <laughs> <laughs> She's standing on, on r- rubbles. Yes. Yeah, little bits of rubbles. And uh, what I love is so you've had cable for, you know, like 12 issues or whatever it is, who's been this hard ass soldier, warrior dude. And now he's like, hey, girl, what's up? You're <laughs> here. Yeah. Sit on my lap and let's look at these files. What do, essentially- you, what do you think there are more of in this issue? Muscles or pouches? Muscles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I'm yeah. going with I think I think some of the pouches have muscles. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. It makes me so happy. Like looking at these pages, um, and then you know we. It, it's a lot of setup really for the the like the fall of the New Mutants and the rise of X Force, and that that's what this issue is, is really important for. But getting to see that first taste of Deadpool, and then they make him a really cool, credible threat who doesn't. And Ben pointed this out. Doesn't quite have the same. Persona that we know now—it's exactly. it's sort of like like that's the beginning stages of it. It's fully like you could see where it goes from A to B, but they hadn't and coalesced. And, and that's another thing I want to talk about too. You know, I was talking earlier about how they're sort of just like developing things as they win. It takes like a year or two before Deadpool really evolves into the nonstop talking. You know funny, crazy Deadpool. Yeah. Like, there's seeds of it in this first appearance, yeah. Yeah. but he's much more... He's much more like a straightforward villain in this. Yes. I, I, I have a, a legit, non-rhetorical, non-sarcastic question about Deadpool in this issue. Because currently we know Deadpool, uh, one of the more interesting things about when people are conveying his thoughts or his speech that they get different word bubbles. Like, his word bubbles currently, like, there's some sort of established rhyme and reason for this is this voice, this is this voice, this is the thoughts in his head. Yes. This very first issue, there's slightly altered word bubbles. You mean the design of the bubbles. Correct, yeah. Just, like, what the the word bubbles look like. And then in the, the limited series that we're getting to, he has a very established, like, the word bubbles look different compared to every other character. We call them balloons. Balloons, yes. So, uh, in this first appearance, what do you think they were going for with those altered design? Because it's also not consistent. Like most of his his balloons have a slightly different look, but I think there were a couple that looked like everybody else's. Yeah, very few. I think it it, it was it was a rarity that they missed that. I don't even see many as I'm looking through it because he's only in like six pages. Right. So, so do you do you think so, it was established early on? You know that that uh, like say you were a reader reading this stuff for the very first time in whatever month and year that these comics came out. What do you think was the intent of? How to interpret those those balloons? Um, I don't even. Yeah, it's a good question because I always I always looked at it as his voice being like distorted, okay, or like sounding different in some way because you know like machine speak looks one way, right? And his I always thought just looked it, it had to have sounded 
different gravel, like some something about you know him going through the cancer, going through the treatment, and and like the idea that his cells were constantly regenerating and like doing something that it was messing up the the actual way he sounded. That was the way I always took it. Although if right. you like listen to any interpretation that we've put that has been out there, whether it be on the video games or the animation or even the film, he's it's sad, I, as far as I can tell, he just sounds like whoever is voice acting. Which you know, as I was disappointed by it because you say he always sounds like this to me in my head. You know, uh, we were Ooh. going so. Well, for so like, long. Hey, Nathan, what are you doing here? But to to any listeners who had never read Deadpool before, why don't you guys chime in on the old Twitter and let us know how you first interpret uh, the these the differences in the word balloons? Yes, and let me know if you agree with me. And nope, like don't this. do that at all. No. Nope. Uh, so we get that first appearance, and I, there's like this little bit. <laughs> At the end, where they talk about Cable's going to mail him back to Tolliver. <laughs> and they very explicitly say Federal Express. Yes. They're going to FedEx him. Now we would say FedEx. And then it would be Federal Express. Uh, and that's how it ends. Like, the New Mutants go off on their thing. And so there's probably, I think it's like three or four years between that first appearance and this first limited series. Uh, yeah, like three years, yeah. Three years, right? Two, yeah. Yeah, because yep. that was like the mid-end of 90. Well, yeah, and and the Deadpool main series came out probably when X-Force was in its late 20s, early 30s in terms of numbering. <clears throat> right. So. Yeah, so um, we get that, and then boom, we get this first limited series. And there's stuff that's happened in this time. Deadpool has shown up in X-Force. Uh, X-Force is crazy. Rob Liefeld and the rest of the Image founders have left Marvel, so... Like there's all this kind of like creator up, creator changes, but then there's also been stuff that's happened to the characters. Cable left X Force. Cable, no, Cable didn't just leave X Force. Remember, this is after Executioner's song, so Cable like was off in his weird time, lost in time limbo. Right, thing. right, right. And and uh, if I remember correctly, Cable was replaced by Directv. Ugh. Ugh. Right? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Here we go. Oh, oh. I, I, I can't wait to hear what your Comcast joke is. <laughs> don't, don't, you don't want to ruin it. You don't want to ruin it. Uh, so, all right. So we've got a couple years. There's a difference. A bunch of stuff has happened. Um, and we're now introduced to this with, um, I guess if you just are reading this, you don't know it offhand, but the idea, like, who the Tolliver character was and all the crazy stuff that had gone down from him, he's dead and he left um, basically in his will, like, I'm going to leave this, the most powerful weapon ever here. Whoever can find it first, you get it. Good luck. I'm dead. Which is such a classic, like, one of the things I love about Fabian Nicieza is uh, how involved he makes his MacGuffins. Yeah. Like, like that's that's a thing that he does in all of his stories, and I love it yes. because it, he he clearly like puts so much thought into the mechanics of his MacGuffins, whereas you know other writers might just be like, eh, it, it's a thing, go find the diamond. <laughs> um, um, so it's great we get introduced in this series, written by Fabian Nicieza and art by Joe Matarera, and I, I believe you know Ben talked about it a little bit. This is 
Joe's first work for us? Not not his very his very first work was a short story or a pinup maybe or something in Marvel Comics Presents, but okay. this was certainly his first like full length story right. that he did. Okay, and I mean, especially he was really young. This is his first big thing. It's amazing. Like. He's still like it's fantastic. He's not as good as he will get when he's on by the time he's on the X Men stuff or as he goes off and does his own creator own stuff. But like there's this splash page we're looking at, this is like the second second and third pages of the first issue is bonkers. <laughs> it's ridiculous as Deadpool is fighting like eight different mer- other mercs and there's stuff flying everywhere. I love the way Joe Mad draws tech throughout this story. You see it with Slayback, you see it with like various little things, but like when he gets into those little details, it's it's so good. I just love how muscly he makes Deadpool. Like Deadpool is jacked yeah. in this series. But it's a different muscly from what we saw in New Mutants. You know right, I mean? yeah. Like it just it's it's like it's in, almost in, curvier. Yeah, if in, that New makes Mutant, sense. in New Mutants, it's like muscles upon muscles. Yeah. In this, he's just a huge dude. Yeah, he's and he's you know he looks very capable. And we get Weasel up in here. Who <laughs> this is, is Weasel's first appearance, is it? right? I, okay, maybe I believe. I'm not so. sure. I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. Uh, but we get Weapon X Garrison Kane. Oh yeah. Uh, and this, I'm looking at one of the, another splash page here, which is awesome. And again, muscles. Look at all those robotic <laughs> muscles. But th- this, to me, is one of the most perfect examples of 1990s comics, superhero comics. I, I thought you were going to say this is the best drawing of Gideon Kane. <laughs> and like, Garrison Kane. Garrison Kane. Sorry. I'm like, have they been that? I mean, you know, he's not. John Romita Jr. did the two-issue Cable Limited series, oh, and there's some really good stuff here, yeah. and that was right before all this, uh, so that's really beautiful, but this, you've got just metal arms, <laughs> you've got guns, and like lasers, uh, laser weapons, floating, and, Aren't there like, like floating lasers or they, something? No, no, they're, they're all attached. Oh, they're all attached. Okay, popping yeah, out yeah, of his yeah. arms, you've got the vest, giant high collar. You've got the uh, the strap of pouches, giant the, belt buckle, the huge boots, like, thigh like, high boots. Uh, uh, you've got the one glowing eye, and you've got the branded X on the the, the, collar. the collar there. It's beautiful. I love it so much. Uh, so great. So boom, we've got Juggernaut. We've got Black Tom Cassidy, who like they and Ben pointed this out. They don't really like. The, the story didn't need them. No. Really? Because no, they're here, and then they just like, oh, they, they get tossed out of a plane by Deadpool, and they're done. Like, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. That's a wrap on you. Although, Have fun. Although I think that sequence on the plane is my favorite moment in, that, in this entire series where... Juggernaut is feeling very self-conscious. Right? It's so good. Like, like that was you know you like they make the point of oh yeah they had to book three seats <laughs> one uh, you know one for him and then two just for Juggernaut and that, and I love his I love the line too they're like oh he's got seats twenty B C and D and Deadpool is like ah coach those cheapskates <laughs> and, and so yeah good. so it was just so funny that it's like this is a giant powerful man who could. Kill everyone on board, but he's still self-conscious. Like, oh, are they looking at me? Yeah. And and the names they book you under is like uh, Kane Biggie and Tom Smalls. <laughs> so good. 
but you know, th- this is this is super fun. It like introduces this whole world of mercs and like rando characters. Uh, oh man, there's this one guy, Mister Half Hannigan. Who is what's his name? Nico. Nico. Oh right. Who is? I kind of believe that that is sort of like a an an homage of some kind to uh, Rob Liefeld's creation, Troll. Oh, was this before Troll or no, after? This Troll? would be after Troll. Okay. And he totally. I looked at me. I'm like, what's Troll doing in a Marvel book? That's great. Uh, but I I have to imagine that that was at least part of the intent with him. Yeah. Um, but the Black Tom and, and Black Tom Cassidy and Juggernaut stuff, super cool because they had shown up a bunch in X-Force and, like, like all kinds of stuff that they had gone through. And, like, Black Tom is one of those characters I would, lo- like, love to see more. And I would, I would love if the Black Tom-Juggernaut thing was not just a friendship. Like, because there's a look of, like, pure love <laughs> on Juggernaut's face when he's, like, going around. He's, like... Everything is like he doesn't care about anyone else but this one person who is his everything. Like Black Tom is Juggernaut's everything in this story. And I want that to be a thing. I, you know, in my heart of hearts, in my, my OTP for them, <laughs> that's that. Ju- Juggernaut, the original Marvel Universe bear. Aww. Uh, well, also, before we get too far away from issues one and two, there was also a very hip... Sally Jesse Raphael yes. comment. Yes. Which, which, who, I've always heard the name. Oh my God. See, that's what I'm saying. Jesse, it's like he doesn't, he's how do you completely. How not know Sally Jesse Raphael? I, mean, I don't know. The, the name, I mean, who is, do you, do you is, know who is, Phil, is he a woman? Do you know who Phil Donahue is? I mean, I know the name. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, 80s talk show host. Ah. Daytime talk show host. Uh, was hugely famous. Like, like before like, before talk shows kind of devolved into either your Jerry Springers or your, you know, the Montel Williams. Like, b- there used to just be tons of talk shows. Yeah. Like, there was uh, Ricky Lake was, you know, like another just late the, 80s, yeah, Ricky early would, 90s. Yeah, she would have been a little bit after this, after Re- that, right, after but, Sally Jesse. But yeah, sure. But All still, just there used to be tons and tons of daytime talk shows that yeah. were not just people fighting. Yeah. Uh, we get to see Copycat in here, who I asked Ben, is Copycat just a... Uh, a clone, a, essentially a knockoff of Mystique, and because I had forgotten that she, it's not. She has that shape shifting power, but, but she also but has she ability, absorb, of, like the knowledge and everything, knowledge and abilities, yeah. like physical capabilities of people she's around. She doesn't even have to touch them. It seems like you know, if Copycat were here, she would have Stromy's laugh. And, oh, dear uh, Lord. Patrick's, you know, knowledge about wolves and my I'll mustache. I'll take it. I'll and, take it. like, that would have been, you know, that's, that's oh what she would have I'm just imagining the three of us having a child together. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> this is going to happen. Um, so, yeah, we got all that. We get um, the great sequence on the plane and Slayback. I love how Slayback is, like, teased through the first couple issues and, like, made really cool and, like, scary. So, like, Slayback, I'm trying to remember... Like, was that pre-established that Deadpool and Slayback had that? Like, did Slayback exist before this I don't, series? I, my, my particular memory of Slayback goes directly to this. Yeah, because but I don't think he did appear before this, because even in this, you know, it's referenced like, oh, Wade killed me ten years ago or right. something. Yeah, so, so I think this is the first There's so Slayback. much introduced in these four issues. It's like Fabian just going, flump. 
and like Joe Matt going, well, okay, let's do it, and like all kinds of cool stuff. So in the third issue, we're introduced to the executive elite, who's alluded to in the first two issues, and the executive elite, you picture them being like like power brokers or whatever, suits oh, no. and ties. It's Comcast, Makeshift, and Riv? Rive? 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 It's one of those names. Back in the 90s, they would just make up words for names. And they have, like, they look like toddlers who were allowed to dress themselves. <laughs> and I love it. It's like they've got these most ridiculous costumes, and uh, they well, just are incredible. Yeah, and and, and kind of like you were saying, that uh, uh, they were just thumping characters in and just like, here, here you go. And as you were saying that, you were holding up the the picture of the cover. I think very indicative of the approach to these characters and these stories. Like, Deadpool, the title is so big on the cover, they couldn't even fit eight letters in a row. That they had to break it up. Like, no, we need to get Deadpool to be as big on the cover as possible. Right. That they have to hyphenate Deadpool. Like, and, and no, then, we only have this many, like, this amount of space on the cover. This is not a very wide cover. Like, fill oh, it up. fill it up. We need de- we up. need the word Deadpool to cover the entire page. Well, and it's also got that white, like, sidebar with the weird <laughs> subhead slash parable. I, I will tell like, you what. This is one of the most, like, the, these four covers are so iconic in my mind because yeah. they don't look anything like our other books at that time or really anything we just don't do that design and it, it's so effective because it, it stands out so much but the the battle between Deadpool and the executive elite is twofold it's one they take Deadpool out pretty easily like they're just like we've got him boom 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 he's down and then they take him back and they get surprised by realizing that he's so disgustingly ugly and, you know, like, messed up from all his treatments and, like, the Weapon X stuff. And then Weasel has that amazing moment where he's he's wearing giant gloves. He comes in. We- Weasel was basically, he basically went to, like, Rob Liefeld's, like, uh, uh Closet and yeah. like pulled out like everything that I imagine would be in yeah. there. Like, uh, saying that in all the best ways, and he's got this helmet on with you know like basically a mining a miner's helmet with the light on it to break in and save Deadpool. And then like what I dig here is Deadpool is not like he's he's very like I have to, I'm going to kill this person, and we get him murdering. The executive elite. They but, were torturing him to get information. He gets free. He one well, and murders ma- and make him and make him like relive like all these like terrible memories yeah. too. Yeah. He yeah. It's it's really brutal. Um, he like sh- totally shivs uh, Reeve and then fries. Uh, what's her butt? The make hmm. makeshift makeshift. Make, yeah, make and then the the Comcast one. Uh, I can't remember where how that shook out, but that was brutal too. Weasel, Weasel killed Comcast. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Weasel killed Comcast. Was, yeah. Yeah. I love it. So there's like no punches pulled and and, re- and replace them with AT and T and U- Universe. Oh. <laughs> like that because w- yours wasn't a good joke that I was about <laughs> to chime in with. Okay, they've been talking about comic books for long enough. I can come in and say something stupid about how. This, you know, predicted the brutality of Comcast 
20 years before they even be, became Xfinity, but I hope you're happy. Oh, boy. AT&T U-verse. Right. <laughs> was that what your joke was? You just merely said? Nah, AT&T U-verse. Yes, uh, it's Scott. comic gold. Right. So, the story wraps up with uh, them actually, like, everybody comes together finding Tolliver's secret sauce. Uh, and you've got Deadpool, Weasel, you've got uh, Slayback, who's captured Copycat, uh, and you've got Weapon X, Garrison Kane. They all come together. Uh, and it's great brouhaha, big battle, blah, 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 all that good it's stuff. In which, in which Slayback's hand grows to ginormous proportions. So good. Like, I, I love it. Like, because you, you see him stretch and do some stuff, and then all of a sudden there's that panel where it's just uh, Deadpool, who, again, like I say, in this series is giant, encompassed by this giant fist that's just and all around him. But uh, pardon me for possibly mis- mishearing or, or missing. Uh, Slayback, did he have, was he an established. Had he been around for a while no, before you were this? paying attention? Yeah, maybe. that's what I'm saying. That's why I apologize. That's why I apologize. Because you guys were, were you trying to come up with your like no, 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 no. of you guys. You guys were, we were talking about that. You seemed kind of on the fence of was this the first appearance of Slayback? But and then you start thinking the fact that his name, the fact that his name is Slayback, he is like the perfect foil for a character like. Deadpool, where it just sounds like the name of the character came before the concept, the backstory, and it was just like, Slay. And I don't know, he's coming back, so Slayback. Slayback rings. Are you listening? Uh, I think there's, there's, I think there's other origins for Deadpool that are a little bit more thought through. Um... That I've heard. I don't want to get into them now. Uh, but by the end of this, it's cool because we've got what the actual ultimate weapon was, was something that just negates all weapons. And, sure. they, and they don't take it with them. Well, he bounces out. He's That's like, true. He's like, uh, screw you guys. I'm going to go find something else to mess up. I'm a robot thing. Zero. Out. And so he, he flies out. Uh, I love the way it, it handles all this stuff. But my favorite part of this issue and this story is something that I think is crucial to who Deadpool is and we see particularly in Jerry Duggan's run uh, it being that like he is at his core there are those times when he's a really like good person and care when he cares about someone or something like that's at the forefront so what he does for copycat in this story and like there's a couple scenes where it's like like whoa, he gets a little emo, and it's 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 really really good, solid stuff. I love the heck out of it. I'm glad we read it. Do you do you think if we had pulled some sort of like uh, John Connor or Sarah Connor, like if we were able to go back in time and destroy James Cameron before he could have made the Terminator movies, there still would have been as many cybernetics in '90s comics as there were. If you can turn back time. I guess, you know. No, I I see your point. It seems like the popularity of, like, the Terminator or, like, just late 80s, early 90s sci-fi movies, there were so many cybernetics. And apes. And apes? Oh, boy. What did that have, what does that have to do with anything at all? I'm... 
What are, what are you talking about? Should we get to the rear comments? Oh, God. Oh, boy. Time for your questions and comments about Twim URC since we talked for like 20 years about this dang story. Uh, we're going to start off with Alex Respis, who says, Just read New Mutants 98, and I got to say, I'm pretty new to the comic reading world. The art style is drastically different than what I've become used to in the lingo. What a throwback. Main takeaway from Deadpool number one a sick Sally Jesse Raphael reference. Hashtag next on Sally. Who saw Jesse Ramos? Da- damn it, did we, did we mention, did that issue mention her health? Whose health? Because <laughs> it says, a sick Sally Jesse. <laughs> oh, oh, you know. Gosh, you are the worst. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I think I feel even worse for your potential future children than I do for mine with those dad jokes. Yeah. All right. I'll take Boba Frack. Says at fractures says, and he he's tweeting to Johnny Timpulse, who's one of our other tweeters. I read New uh, New Mutants ninety eight this morning. Deadpool certainly wasn't the Merc with the mouth, was he? Sounded quite rational, which goes back to my point about them just sort of throwing stuff out there and seeing where it goes, or character developing over time. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, he's freewheeling. It's fun. Freewheel, freewheel. I'll take uh, Brad Schoof. Skeff. I'm sorry, Brad. Hope I'm not too late for Twim URC this week. Deadpool has been one of my favorites since I played his game. The 2008 to 2012 series was the first thing I read with my unlimited sub. Only took a handful of pages for someone to tell Deadpool he talks too much. Most used line in comics, other than Snicked or Thwip. I guess that is pretty true. It's like your 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 knee jerk reaction to Deadpool is shut up, shut up, essentially, yeah. uh, which is good. Uh, definition of irony: Deadpool telling Sunspot <laughs> he lacks subtlety. <laughs> the pop culture references and the singing on the job will never get old to me. Also, love the bad jokes he tells in X Force. Oh yeah. Let's see. Uh, GI Joe, Barbie, and Ken. Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Just in issue number one. So here's something I noticed when some going through some of those, right? Sally Jesse Raphael, definitely a sign of the times, obviously, because Strami, you are clueless about uh, SJR. No, but, I've totally seen clueless. But Barbie and Ken, fine, everybody kind of gets that. But the G.I. Joe stuff was interesting because, like, it was focused on the G.I. Joe of, like, the tall tennis oh, variety, yeah. which is not my G.I. Joe. Right, right. Like, that, that's, like, I think of that, I would never think of that G.I. Joe at all. But a writer, Fabian in this case, writing it in 94, 3, whatever it is, having grown up with that G.I. Joe, and now I don't even know if kids play with G.I. Do they even make G.I. Joes anymore? They make oh. comics, they make the movies. Well, another kind of going with that point, not... Uh, tying directly into G.I. Joe, but one of the issues uh, Deadpool mentions Hillary Clinton. Yes. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Hillary, no, Hillary Rodham He mentions Cl- Hillary, Clinton. and then he says, you know, in honor of you women or whatever, I want I will now be referred to as Dead Rodham Pool. <laughs> and look, look at where we are now. And now she's back. 
I like to think that's why she's back. Totally. That's why she's popular. Anyways, uh, jumping into the landing gear of a plane moving down the runway, and his concern is over the in-flight movie. Never change, Deadpool. I added some inflection to that tweet. I also uh, thought it funny, in that whole scene... Deadpool somehow explodes through yeah. the, the floor I, I of the plane. I was about to say, and Black Tom shoots him. Shoots him. So there's multiple explosions within the plane. Then he blows out the door, I think. And then shuts it. And then shuts it, right? Yes. And just it, like it's an average door. I love it. It's comic books. <laughs> you ain't got to think about it. It's cool. Uh, let's see. Let, uh, always be weary of a neutered albino Schwarzenegger. I mean, that's my. I have a tattoo that says that exactly. True words thing. have never been spoken. Styrofoam packing chips are the absolute worst. I, I agree. They're terrible for the environment. I used to be a shipping manager at a religious carvings company huh. in Long Island, and uh, I would just so many bags of packing peanuts we would go through. So you never went hungry. for the environment. Yeah, I was. You never went hungry. Always had something to munch on. Uh, Deadpool's description of how he knew Slayback was dead paints a lovely picture. Do you guys recall that off the top of your head? Yeah, he's like, Maybe. oh, but I saw your brain exploded and, Ooh. like, your brain matter floating in the water. Lovely. Yeah. You were missing an eye. And I uh, can't remember the last time I heard a good, quote, heavens to Murgatroyd, unquote. Can any of you do a good heavens to Murgatroyd actual, like, the right impression of it? Saying it? Hey, heavens to Murgatroyd. Nope. Oi, heavens to Murgatroyd. What, what is Heavens that? to Murgatroyd. Oh. I don't understand the reference. Uh, and, and Wait, no, what is the reference to? Uh, Finally, from Brad Schulhoff, uh, for all his faults... Wait, hold on a second. Do we have to pay for that? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Keep <laughs> going. For all his faults, Deadpool does do the right thing when it really counts. Just like that Spike Lee movie. Yes. <laughs> right. Really counts. Uh, awesome. Brad, that was great. I don't remember seeing many tweets from you, Brad, so... Well, Kudos. would you recognize them if you knew his name was stop underscore the underscore BS? That does actually look a little bit more familiar. BS being his initials. You thought he was being crass, but huh? he's just being himself. Yes. Uh, DJ Fanko rolling in says, oh, the origin of Deadpool and Twim URC. Okay, so it isn't so much his origin as his first appearances. I remember when New Mutants 98 came out, it was just after the best crossover of all time, Extinction Agenda. Strami, what is the best crossover of all time? Executioner song. Thank you. Uh, minus 10,000 twin points to DJ Fenko. Um, it's just, it's a disgrace. Anything other than uh, Executioner song is wrong. Don continues, he says, I love the direction the book was going at the time. It seemed like every issue Rob Liefeld was uh, was debuting new characters, and it was. It was like, boom, boom, here's Feral, boom, boom, here's this character. It was great. Like, 100 also had, like, three or four new characters as well. Who did? N the last issue of the uh, series. Yeah, they all, well, yeah, Shatterstar debuts in oh, issue 100. I love Shatterstar so much. Um, His sword is two swords. And so he essentially has two swords that are four swords, and the, the handles of the swords have little spikes on them. Some people would say that's putting a hat on a hat. <laughs> Others would say it's putting a sword on a sword. <laughs> Is that an expression? Yeah. Putting a hat on a hat? Yeah. Never yeah. heard of it. Right. Like, it already has a hat. You don't have to put a hat on a hat. 
Maybe they say that in Vermont where you're from. You know yes, what? Vermont. My wife puts my, my wife, wife put, my wife puts uh, a a blanket on the blanket. Like there we have a, a, well, yeah, a comforter, some, and then you have a yeah. a blanket that goes. But it's you already. It's, <laughs> but sometimes you need more blankets. Are it's, you the type of guy who gets real warm? No, no. While I mean, you're I, I'm sorry. Not not two blankets on top of each other, but like there's a uh, a coat. So to speak, for the blanket. So it's a blanket, and then you put it inside a duvet. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I have that too. I never knew that that was a thing. That's a thing. Was, That's a thing that I was is, in this relationship. There you go. You're learning a lot. Yeah, we we'll grow up, guys. <laughs> this is this is life. What when is, boys become men. <laughs> what what is my wife a reference to? Oh um, my god. Anyway. Uh, no, seriously. Borat. Oh. <laughs> Don continues. He says, uh, continuing to talk about. You know, the X-Force, and it says, Then Circle Chase dropped a couple years later, and Joe Mad's art was a triumph. Two years away, I found Uncanny 312 on the art room table at high school, and I was hooked on the X-Books again. I believe 312... Uh, That's I'm, his first one, right? That with, like, Storm that, and, like, the woman on the cover, and it's, like, the phalanx stuff. Is it that one? Uh, yeah, I, I guess 312, yes, yeah, Storm and... Uh, you're right. You are right, Strami. Man, that knowledge. I was gonna say the most iconic Joe Mad X cover for me was always uh, the Juggernaut one, where he had oh, gotten that, destroyed that, by that's, that's three twenty one. How you have that so deeply ingrained? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, Don continues. He says, "I try to go back and find physical copies of Circle Chase, but all my money was going to staying current on Uncanny. A few years ago, this limited series was the first thing I read on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. Needless to say, the classic Majorera art was phenomenal. The crossing, double crossing, and antics were a joy to read. Black Tom's defeat in the pages of Liefeld's X Force was serious business, but he really branched out. Here, you get it, because he's part tree now." You know? Oh, yeah. Uh, Don says, the first issue of Deadpool sure had a big opener, and it's got that beautiful splash we were talking about earlier. Uh, Weapon X versus Deadpool was just so much fun. Uh, I, Garrison Kane is probably dead at this point. I can't imagine him being alive, so. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I also like to point out that Don says um, uh, that he. Uh, uh, I tried to go back and find physical copies of Circle Chase, but all my mind was going to stay in current and uncanny. And when it says physical copies, I'm wondering, Don, did you invent digital comics <laughs> back in 1993? That's a good point. What else was he reading? Yeah, well, I, tweet us, Don, because we're curious. If you weren't reading physical copies of Circle Chase... Maybe he meant that maybe, he... Maybe, like, borrow, borrowed them from someone Yeah, or maybe something? he read from them. a library. Yeah, a, a library. But, but it's still, it'd still be physical. I don't know. Regardless. Anyway, uh, who we got next? We Kyle got Charles. Kyle Charles at Johnny Timpulse. Uh, just started this Twim URC, which is Deadpool. Just from reading New Mutants 98, you can see that Deadpool has changed a lot, which we covered. And I didn't know that Cannonball could change the sound range of his powers. Neither did he until that issue. Uh, he says, at fra- he's replying to at fractures here. He was so different. More of a trash talker, not a nutcase like he is now. Very true. Kane's uniform is so weird. Sleeveless vest with huge collar and boots that boot comes past his knees, which we covered. I like to call them thigh highs. Thigh high boots. Loving the old 90s references like Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Man, people really love this Sally, Jesse, Raphael thing. Um, there, there's a guy called Comcast that's funny to me. 
well, AT&T U-verse wasn't around yet. Hey, I'm keeping that joke going. Uh, and Slayback is one scary dude. I'm still most terrified about that hand. I feel like I'm gonna have nightmares where that hand is encircling me. At Max Boverman. That was loud. I apologize if you have headphones in. I just said at quite loudly. Uh, this is this is this is good. Max Boverman. He tweeted at Strami, at the Wolfman, and says, "Hey." At Blake Garris, get it together, man. Hashtag Twim West Coast, better than, or, or greater than, excuse me, greater than. Hashtag Twim URC. Now, I don't, I still don't entirely know what this means, other than it was some sort of, uh, I asked the listeners, I was talking about Blake, I said, hey, tell me where you listen to your podcast, and I mentioned Blake Garris. And I think Max is just trying to say whatever Blake Garris has to say, whatever his opinion is. Blake doesn't show up on the show unless he's interviewing a celebrity. Max, you're aces with us because the only thing I love more than a tweet that says Twim West Coast is better than anything (laughs) is a tweet that makes fun of Blake Garris. So you're my favorite listener. All right. For some reason, Patrick is coming in perfectly loud and clear and Strami is not. It's like the recorder knows what should be happening. Oh, I know why. He did this wrong. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. To be fair, I didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) Now can you show me more? Show me more. Hear me more? Show me more on this podcast. All right, let's get back on track. Uh, On to Penelope Cat, who says, New Twim URC selection is a bunch of early Deadpool stories. Not a character I've ever connected with, but I'll give it a shot. New Mutants 98, Deadpool isn't the focus of the issue. Was he insanely popular, or did that develop over future appearances? I, I'm trying to remember. I think he was immediately popular, but not to the point where he is now. Yeah, not to, he wasn't to the point he is now until the Daniel Way series back in 08. That's what really launched him into... But, I mean, he in 97, when his... But he wasn't popular enough to support 17 books a month the true. way he is now. True, like, true, true. I feel like now he's the new Wolverine. Fair. Um, Penelope Cat says, I do remember Liefeld's work here getting uh, a lot of attention at the time, so I gave his X-Force a shot, just not my cup of tea. There's a definite energy to this issue, but I think I was too much of a fan of the original New Mutants to embrace this. Can, like, I'm trying to think of a fan who was reading New Mutants with Sienkiewicz art and like continuing on and getting <laughs> to the Liefeld stuff. And like... Now, in retrospect, I can enjoy them both right. in, in fully. But, like, if you are someone who is invested in the, what is it, the Demon Bear saga, yes. and then you get to, like, the parts of the, the X crossovers, and it's just like, what is happening? And there, I love there's even a part of that issue where they look at former New Mutants characters. they like, Domino and Cable are, like, grabbing each other's butts and looking at screens honking each other's yeah. big round butts <laughs> honk 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 like they're perfectly round butts <laughs> they're so spherical giddy about it spherical butts I love it the, the butts in that issue are, and they're mostly dude butts it's great it's so like, many perfectly spherical <laughs> chiseled out of marble dude butts yeah I love Ch- the butts chiseled out of marble excuse I, me I heard uh, and so I just I, I think it's funny if you are someone who is like Oh, look at this in Kevin chart. Banana's crazy. Blah, Dan, Sean Corman, and, and, and Rusty and Skids. And then you get to like this point of it. Like, what's even happening? It's great. It's great. I love it. Um, 
Penelope Cat says, Deadpool issue three, is this the first time Deadpool was shown sort of without his mask? Was this was the deformity a huge reveal? That's a good question. I was actually wondering that when we were talking about that. I don't know. I, I mean, feel like it was. My Ben. Um Yeah, because yeah, they even I think they mentioned something in the one of the the previous issues saying and a little bit about Deadpool's origin. Like they tease that like, mm-hmm. hey, we're gonna get something. We're going to see a little bit, a little little peek behind the curtain, if you will. I wish, if only Ben Morse were here, who has a true encyclopedic knowledge of comic books. (laughs) Now, now, yeah, okay, good, good, great. Uh, (laughs) Pelligat says, what's going on here? Is he putting a mask over his mask, talking about uh, Deadpool? All right, so... Um, hat on a hat. He has a, a photo, uh, an image here from this issue. I had the same question because in and in the panel before this, Deadpool's mask was Cobra Commander style, like hanging loose, uh, as you do. And then in this, he's fully like masked first. Then there's no mask. He's holding his mask in his hand. Then he's pulling the mask down. I don't know. I don't care. I love it all. Joe, Joe Mab is early in, is early in his career. Okay? Yeah. He's still learning. All right. Take us home, Strong. All right. At Raf AB, our friend and longtime listener, says, New Orleans, blues and crayfish, or crawfish, as some would say. Uh, that's how you spend your holidays at Agent M. Which, that is pretty much how you spend your holidays, isn't it? Yeah, I go to New Orleans. New Orleans, as they call it. Well, I go to Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. Uh, yeah, the red stick, if you will. And, uh... <laughs> Strong is saying things without saying things, and it's horrible. <laughs> I'm so sorry, listeners. Uh, but, yeah, it's exactly like that. Uh, and they say, can we all agree fashion at the beginning of the 90s was awful, hence the weird costumes of the new mutants? You say awful. Yeah. I say... Flashy and experimental. Yeah. Raph, I agree with you. <laughs> uh, I don't know half of the characters in this Deadpool main series. They all look so 90s. That is true. It was, you like, know, it was, a, it, was, it was... It was the 90s. Yeah. And it was all new. It was like the time of like explosion of characters and crazy. No, all new Marvel was 2012. Oh, Strami. Oh, boy. Strami. All right, so that wraps up Twim URC. Now, boys, you're on the hook for the next one. Yes, and... In honor of our very first edition, I want to choose a very appropriate choice, and one that I was kind of surprised uh, you guys over on the East Coast have not tried yet. In honor of the fact that half of this show is me educating Patrick the Wolfman on, uh, you know, some classic stories, I have chosen Cap Wolf, the epic story in which Captain America turns into a werewolf. From Captain America number 402... Two four zero eight. Sounds perfect. So, Patrick, for your first choice, you get to read Captain America as a werewolf. And you better have boned up on uh, the current Cap Wolf stuff as well. Of course. Yeah. So, Patrick, what I want to know is you guys reading the classic and then looking at how the current sort of plays against that. I actually just learned that they're doing that, like maybe last week. So I checked out. It's good stuff. It's real fun. Um, cool. Well, thank you, fellas. Um, oh, you're going to have to do your ridiculous send-off, right? No, we don't have to do anything. Thanks, oh, everybody. Oh, I also... No, no, wait. First, I do want to say, because we misspoke last week, we said we announced that we were going to be doing TWIM uh, URC West Coast, um, and we said that our first episode would be 
the first Thursday of February, so February 4th. We will actually be alternating so that every two weeks, uh, you know, Ryan and Ben does one, and then two weeks later, Patrick and I do one, and then two weeks later, Ryan and Ben do one, as opposed to what we previously thought alternating. So, as a correction... Uh, our first one will be February 11th, and you can still use the hashtag TwimURC. No use, no no need to use the hashtag TwimWest, like we said. TwimURC. Why would you? I didn't say I, any of that. I, hey, Ben. Ben and I talked. Ben. Wow, you ben. just threw Ben. You threw ben. your ben. direct who, who's, boss who's, who's, under who's the bus. Who's not in this room? Who's not in this room? Ben. Wow. Ben did it. Wow, I see how it goes. <laughs> Dang. Dang. Uh-oh, right. we've, we broke him. Gentlemen, thank you very much. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>